Good morning, vendors and non-vendors alike, and welcome to Republic City Dispatch, a radio program covering Nickelodeon's Legend of Korra series. This week, change comes crashing upon an unsuspecting fandom, and suddenly more Korra is upon us. A jam-packed orchestral trailer signals book three is only a week away. What say your four hosts, Matt, Dave, Devindra, and Joanna? Hello, welcome back to Republic City Dispatch. We've been on hiatus because there hasn't been new Legend of Korra to talk about. Uh, I believe it's like 217 days ago there was new Korra. And this is somehow the shortest hiatus we've ever had because, uh, lo and behold, new episodes of Korra are coming back next, or this coming Friday. Um, And we had no idea. We being, I am Matt Patches, and with me as always, uh, Devendra Hardawar. Hello, hello. Joanna Robinson. Hello. And Dave with a seven, Gonzalez. Hello. And we were all, I think we immediately, when we heard uh, this <laughs> announcement on Coronation or on IGN, whoever broke the news that um, more core was coming, we, we went into a panic. Maybe not a panic. I had a personal meltdown because like, <laughs> I need some sort of preparation for these things. I need to like get pumped. And uh, I, I'm conditioned to have like at least months of excitement leading into yeah, the debut yeah. of something. And maybe that's bad. Maybe I should be more excited that all of a sudden we found out there were going to be new Cora episodes and we immediately jumped on email. I think we were just thinking about all the work involved because, you know, we have we have other lives. We have professional lives. Do too. we? Do yeah. We? <laughs> oh, we live and breathe this. <laughs> um, no, so it's it's a little unexpected to have new Cora, but not unwelcome. We're, we're pumped. I mean, the trailer that they released uh, a few days ago. I think collectively blew our minds as well, uh, especially after kind of a, the ups and downs of book two. The trailer for book three uh, seems to pack a ton of action, uh, a ton of beautiful animation, and a lot of story, new characters, old faces, uh, a lot to talk about. So we wanted to do some sort of preview for our own, for ourselves to stay sable, stable. Um, my own need for excitement, I think that we needed this kind of uh, prelude to the new episodes. Uh, so to get us into to this conversation. Dave, you just binge-watched book two again. So what happened in book two since yeah. I did not have time <laughs> to do that? I don't think anyone has, but now it's all up on Nickelodeon, so that uh, Nickelodeon.com, so you can scarf that. It's not on Amazon Prime yet, which is where I do most of my Avatar and Coro rewatching. But Dave, you, you, you struggled through the Nickelodeon.com streams. How was it? What, what, are, what do we need to know? Uh, I'm actually part of the iTunes Season Pass, which I oh, recommend people do because HD. Yeah, for you. it yeah. costs, costs money, and it's always good if someone gets money for Cora because that signals its value. And it comes with all these cool extra special features like animatics and like uh, book one cut really? into like a 30-minute uh, episode with um, uh, Tenzin sort of narrating the entire thing. So you could do a whole catch-up. And the reason I only watched all of book two besides the fact it's the most previous season but it's like uh the first book air was sort of meant to be like this mini series and i really think and it was even more solidified for me watching what book two did with the characters that we're now in or we're entering with book three the second act of the actual legend of Korra, which would be book two book three and book four which is how her relationship to the world and the avatar spirit is sort of different uh, from Aang's. So, to recap, book two, we pick up 
basically the whole Amon thing didn't happen. Everybody who lost their bending basically has it back. Um, <laughs> Cora actually brings up at some point while complaining to Mako because she's super moody for the first three episodes. Um, how like Tenzin basically doesn't ever give her credit for saving all of Republic City and they're treating her like a kid again. So she uh, goes and meets her father and her uncle, Unalak. Uh, they are the respective uh, chiefs of the... Uh, southern and northern water tribes i said respective so her father is the southern chief unalak her uncle is the northern chief turns out they have a whole bunch of history where unalak basically framed her father and got him banished um by burning a spirit forest and so unalak convinces Korra to open the southern spirit portal and start a civil war between the two tribes and she doesn't realize it's a bad idea until way too late he sort of blockades the southern water tribe, and so Korra and Varric, this rich industrialist from the southern water tribe, go to Republic City to try to get President Raiko to send the United Republic fleet down to sort of settle this civil war and get her crazy uncle out of power because he wants to now open the northern spirit temple and unite the water tribes. <clears throat> Back in Republic City, Mako has a whole side. <laughs> this is master summary bending, I must say. Thank you, Dave. I think it's very important to see where everybody is because I think there are going to be consequences from these things more so than there were consequences between book one and book two. Mako has a side plot where he's becoming a detective and um, sort of there's a bombing. That sounds um, so goofy when you say it. Mako's going to Mako become a detective. A yeah. <laughs> it really plays goofy if you're watching everything Mako's back to back case. to back because there's an episode where he and Asami have this whole failed sting operation and Korra is basically absent the entire time and it really feels like, and here's what Mako's doing. Well, Why am I not writing... I, I feel like I should be writing Mako noir fan fiction. Is that... If <laughs> someone's like doing that... Mako out there. Detective yeah. Bolin becomes the movie star. Yes. What's yeah. goofier? <laughs> yeah, so there's sort of like this plot that goes on in Republic City where Varric is trying to scheme his way into getting the president to start a war so that he could use his controlling interests that he buys in future industries to sell war machines to both sides and make a ton of money. <clears throat> My voice cracked. Money. <clears throat> Money. Uh, meanwhile, Korra tries to get the Fire Nation to help after breaking up with Mako, but on in transit gets attacked by a giant dark spirit that makes her lose her memory, so they have to send her into spirit water on this Fire Nation island where they've been raising air bison. <laughs> Where she has to a lot learn. happened. A lot, a, a lot <laughs> this happened. Is, this is like midway through the season. Everything stops, and we flash back for two episodes to Juan, the first Avatar, and we learn how the Avatar came about, which is basically Juan got all these powers from the Spirit Turtles, which is where humans would live on their backs and were sort of isolated from the rest of the world because the spirits lived in the wilds. Uh, Juan absolutely accidentally separates the bad spirit Vatu from the good spirit Rava and sort of brings darkness to the world in order to battle uh, Vatu at the harmonic convergence he has to get all, power over all of the elements from all the lion turtles and merge with Rava creating the avatar and basically tries to fight evil and unite all the humans uh, through all of his lives up to Korra who um, mistakenly allows Vatu to escape from his spirit prison just as the 10,000-year harmonic convergence is starting again. Vatu merges with... <laughs> you gotta uncle hate when that happens. Yeah. Vatu merges with her evil uncle, Unalak, 
and everything looks like it's going to be horrible until it's revealed that Janora has always sort of been the more spiritual airbender of the airbender family and is able to uh, meditate in and out of the spirit world and also find um, sort of, I guess, the healing power of the light inside the darkness. So after this huge uh, Korra versus dark avatar battle in Republic City Bay. And I say huge literally because they're giants. Um, Janora shows up and is able to pull a, at that point, dead Rava out of Vatu because light and darkness constantly have to exist at the same time. And Korra, having lost her connection to all the avatars, decides that Avatar 1 maybe didn't make the correct decision in having the avatar be the only link between the spiritual world and the human world and decides to leave the portals open bringing about our titular change. Change! <laughs> I left out an entire plot line about Tenzin realizing that Aang was a horrible father. <laughs> oh, right. I, I want to, like, rank the weirdest things that happened last year. <laughs> and I think that Korra having that, like, spa experience to bring back her memory uh, was my favorite. When they, like, dipped her in the healing baths. Oh, yeah. They should have that at, like, Nickelodeon Studios Orlando. You can go to the Cora <laughs> Spa and get a facial. Um, I also liked when they had a tea party with all the baby. Yes. Uh, all the baby. Yeah, the- what are they called? Sky Bison. Sky Bison. Oh, they were so cute. It was very really interesting rewatching it, how much of the greater threads of the season were about leaving the old behind and embracing the new. So like Tenzin has to learn that his father, you know, wasn't all he was cracked up to be. And Korra has to learn that she's, you know, all the avatars have been holding this tradition that is essentially a little different from what the Rava spirit's supposed to be. And her connection severed with that because she goes into the life tree and as... <laughs> Aang, Aang, when he had to go meet his cosmic avatar, had to, like, give up uh, his love for Katara and something that made him himself, whereas Korra is told by Tenzin that if the avatar spirit's dead, the power is actually now in Korra the person. So she does a reverse Aang and finds her cosmic avatar by finding it within herself. So there's this whole idea of sort of, like, separating yourself from the old mythology. So that's why it's really interesting to see it's looking like book three is going to bring us into a new status quo where like airbenders are back and like all this action's happening. And yeah, it's interesting how we don't see it. And we'll get into this when we get into the trail a little more, we don't see a lot of spirits flying around like the end. I remember the end of book two was like a parade of, of spirits coming out (laughs) of the spirit world. Um, There was that clip on IGN that had Janora had just like a little crowd of spirits around her. While they were getting rid of the vines, whatever that was, <laughs> that clip on IGN. <laughs> so they're just going to be hanging out in the background. You're going to well, see like giant hippopotamus spirit with- just being like, doop de doop. Feature where Brian and Mike talk about the first episode, and those vines are a consequence of Vatu having been killed in the bay. They're like spirit vines. So that's how soon we're picking up. Which the is sort- worst kind of vines, spirit vines. <laughs> oh, that, that reminds me of, you know, we were talking about Pacific Rim when we talked about the kaiju battle in Korra. And uh, something I like about that movie, one of the very few things, Devendra, uh, is, is how you see, like, the marks they've left in past battles. You know, things have actually happened to this world. 
kaiju have fallen, battles have taken place. And I, I've always liked that about Korra, too. The remnants of the mm-hmm. past um, are very, they're visible in these landscapes, which is not something you see in, in the greatest of fantasy shows. You want to see the history, and even if it's recent history, and the idea of, of that. In not discarding everything that's happened in book two. We're continuing that story. And something interesting that one of our commenters uh, mentioned uh, about the trailer and about what change could mean. Um, and I'm curious about what, how, how we'll continue this idea of the spirit world merging. And the, he mentioned uh, this ancient Chinese text. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. The, the I Ching. Is this... Yeah. Uh, okay, so this is one I, of the... I Ching, I think? I, I Ching, I Ching. It's, yeah. yeah, I know it's definitely not I Ching. Someone told me it's not I Ching. Maybe it's a, yeah. I Ching. Um, yeah. But it's like one of the oldest books around. It's one of the most published books other than the Bible. And, you know, it's very much part of Chinese culture and cosmology, philosophy. Uh, and it's about, you know, the balance of opposites and the inevitability of, of change and evolution. And I think we get a lot of that from the trailer. But it doesn't seem like the spirit world necessarily is, is that important or at least visible in that trailer, mm-hmm. but perhaps how it affects the world around us and people, the way people bend and that sort of thing. I mean, the, the, the importance of season two, right, was that the spirit world is open now, right? And things are maybe a little more seamless. So I wonder happen. if it's, yeah, I wonder if it's going to be like almost like a how to train your dragon two situation, I guess, where they're just kind of around and maybe they've integrated in daily life in other ways. We're just not seeing them in this trailer. But it is weird that we're not seeing them at all in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are some in the trailer, but they're not super prevalent. There's like that weird sand creature thing, which I'm going to assume is a spirit. And then there's like a weird... Why would you assume that's a spirit? We're finally seeing like crazy animals, which is what Avatar okay, The Last okay. Airbender was all about. Fair enough. Then there is a transparent like reddish whale flying yeah. in the sky behind Korra yeah. at one point. So there's, Okay, that's definitely a spirit. Yeah, there, there and, we then, go. and then Jinora goes into like spirit mode. I guess that's different. Right, it seems it is, like she Jinora can just does. astral project Yeah. Now. yeah. I think it's more like something that Devendra called at the end of last season where it's going to be more like X-Men where it's like this is our you know, post House of M storyline. Marvel fans <laughs> for, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, there was an X-Men storyline in the comics where all of a sudden mutants became uh, very rare and you had to sort of collect them up and we had to go find them and then at some point the mutant scene start, seed starts uh, showing up again and then all these people that didn't have powers start suddenly having powers. They're right. doing something. The Buffy. Sim- the, I, I think I called it like the Buffy situation, right? The oh, the seven. potentials. Yeah. So now I think that <laughs> that's more of what like this connection to the spirit world means that since the spirits are the root of all bending. Right. Right. We get to see things like Korra is going to have to get her team of X-Men all collected. <laughs> Well, I, I, I wonder if people gain powers that did not have them before. It seems like Boomy was sense. airbending yes. right. in yes. the trailer, He's which is really intriguing. And, and also, that person like, has, you've... like, water for arms, or is that just water, basic water <laughs> I think bending? that's just water bending. <laughs> yeah. Hey, water for I arms. Totally saw her Get over her. here. <laughs> but we also see, like, the way bending is being used in that world, uh, you know, just from the first season, of course, right? Metal bending everywhere. It's a thing. It's part of the whole industrial complex. So I think we're going to see, like, further integration and normalizing of bending all around the world. You know, it makes a lot more sense. But, yeah. Maybe maybe we should just jump into trailer talk. I think we're going in a different uh, direction than, than we planned. But um, we should we should just get right into this trailer thing. 
I think we're talking about the trailer in a little bit. There's definitely a <laughs> shot in the trailer of Korra hula hooping with metal, like, uh, I don't know, cords. So I would suspect that Korra is going to finally be able to metal bend. I also hear, I was just uh, looking around various sites, uh, there's word that Lynn will play a huge role in book three. And I am so excited. Well, I, I, I swear we see a flashback of she's young there. Lynn. She's, she's definitely there. Yeah. So Yeah, there's... Uh, uh, when when should we talk about whether or not we're talking about the leaks? We well, I don't think right now. I guess we are not talking about the leaks. And uh, one, yeah. a, a lot of people have asked us this on Twitter, like, when are you going to watch them? When are you going to talk about them? Um, or if we if we were at all? And the and the answer is no. And I'm 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 a little shocked actually that people are asking us that. Um, not because. We, you know, not because Nickelodeon gives us a little stamp of approval by putting the podcast on, on Coronation, but just because, like, as fans, I don't think we're, we're into the idea of leaks. We, we know something about how this show is made and what it takes creatively to do that and the enjoyment of it being released properly. I mean, what do you guys think about that? I, 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 and maybe in a, in a macro sense, the idea of a show leaking uh, seems impossible to me, it seems it seems really crazy. Joanna, you might know better than anyone if this is like if there's precedence here. But I, I just seems and why anyone would want that. It's not like watching are, a movie I mean, that's come out early. It's it's watching a single episode. There's definitely precedence for like pilots or the first couple episodes. Like you know, critics get screeners all the time, and those things leak. So like the first three episodes, first two episodes or something. But this situation where it's middle episodes, and the creators even said like uh, we would you know we hate the idea of leaks at all. But if we were to intentionally orchestrate a leak, it would be the first couple episodes, not like some <laughs> stray episodes in the middle of the season. And right. yeah, so I would say as a fan, I want to watch it in order. That's what I want to do. So, mm-hmm. and also this, I think this reminds me a little of the Wolverine work leak, which I think was the last huge one. That was that devastating. <laughs> that that got one of the Fox employees fired because the Fox, <laughs> the critic at Fox, well, viewed yeah, the leak. <laughs> the the FBI showed up at my work actually tracking that. What? Leak. Wow. Because well, it ended up going international because it was sound mix in a few different places, and yeah. Fox is really pissed off. And yeah, that was that was no good. That was the last big leak I can remember, basically. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Did that... I don't... At least that was, like, the complete thing. That was just, like, the middle part of the movie. Uh, Well, I mean, it had incomplete uh, special special effects. effects, But, I mean... It's okay. The final movie didn't really... (laughs) Not much (laughs) for change. the final movie, yeah. The thing thing that's going to be difficult with these leaks is that already in trying to do my research about what was in the trailer, I've started happening across people that have not... uh, Right. taken our stance on it so we it's poisoned the well we yeah we will not be watching it but i can't guarantee that information <laughs> that i pull out of you know the internet isn't from the leaks is basically how i'm going to cover my butt on that one sure well, i know I, basically I, we're going to be sitting here speculating and people have already seen episodes four right. five and six are like ah they're so wrong well that, that's that's what i'm worried about and i also don't want people to bring that into the conversation especially people who leave great comments on the blog or just um, propagate this the podcast on Tumblr and add to the conversation. I, I really want to stray away from the leaks because it's unfortunate, I think. It's clearly... I think it's really strong-armed the creatives into having to release all these episodes way early and kind of, it seems, dump them out there. And 
uh, it, this actually goes to a bigger conversation about how like Netflix will just drop a heap of episodes on you in a given show or the week to week enjoyment of a show. For me, I love core week to week partially because we do this podcast and have this conversation um, and get to talk about each episode as kind of this these single entities to have this kind of like dump of episodes. Um, I just feel like it's not being taken care of and it's our fault. I feel like it's on the fans fault uh, or on the fans shoulders a little bit, which disappoints me. Is it the fans fault? I don't know. It's the leakers fault for sure. Although last year, didn't they do the first two episodes of book two at once? I seem to remember that. Yeah. Yeah, There are several back to back events. And then the finale happened because there was enough reblogs. And so it was just suddenly on the internet at midnight, the same night they dumped the last. I don't know how to feel about this because on one hand, They've already bought all the Korra that's going to be made, so why do I really care if Nickelodeon makes any money off of this? But on the other hand, it seems like as fans of the show, wouldn't we want to forward the proper way to watch it rather yeah. than... Well, you know, it's, it's a little. There are other ways for it to live on too, right? Because if I, it's super successful, we could finally get our Korra, Korra movie. That's what I kept thinking of you, Devinja. Yeah. To, to say that there's nothing. You know, they've made all the episodes. They don't really need to make money on the show anymore because it's all done is is a little short-sighted. You know, I think these guys all want to make a movie someday. It may not be Korra movie, but it's, I mean, they want to make something bigger. They want to go on sure. and do more probably in this world. And if we're going to get it, uh, we need to show how much it matters to us and, and invest in it in a way as an audience. And this so you're is saying- backwards. You're saying I could get an M. Night Shyamalan Korra movie <laughs> with Kristen Stewart in the lead. Okay, we're not trying to encourage people to leak and destroy the show. Now I have this show. image in my head. Yeah. <laughs> I keep thinking about that movie. I know I just rewatched while Dave was watching book two and doing some smart homework. I was watching the end of um, book three of Avatar The Last Airbender and show, uh, the Shosen's comment and all the, all the big finale stuff. And I'm just like... Wow, man, I want to see this movie. I kind of want to see it live action. And you know what? I, I, I was starting to convince myself that maybe M. Night Shyamalan's movie isn't that bad just because it like gets no, the imagery. No. And then I remember, we, oh yeah, we recorded an entire commentary for that about how terrible it is. So <laughs> I, that slipped my mind. I think there's several times during the commentary where we're like, man, it really is as bad as we remember it being. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Davinder, before we move on from the leaks, you, you were telling us something really interesting about your well, uh, your life with anime. My way. life with anime. Your, your life with anime. It's a book you're putting out old soon. Timer. So <laughs> I, uh, I'm 30 years old. I've been watching anime for Whoa. a good chunk of my life, guys. Um, but also, uh, I think you were mentioning, Patches, that people, fans, were subtitling these leaks because they were in Spanish. And that just that reminded me of the days of fan subs because... You know, you spoiled kids today who are getting your anime the next day after it's aired in Japan, professionally translated and available in HD on Hulu Plus. You kids have it easy because you know in the '90s and uh, in the '80s as well, it was even worse. I wasn't. Oh, I wasn't Grandpa even at that point. Yeah, <laughs> but in the '90s, back in my day, <laughs> it was all fan subs because we didn't have giant corporations. Um, basically. There were some big companies, you know, releasing anime domestically, but it always took like at least a year between the time it would air in Japan and make it over here and get dubbed and all that stuff. So, yeah, fans would subtitle something the next day um, and then we would we would either swap VHS tapes or there would be sites all over the place where you could just order VHS tapes and you'd have to write a check and you'd have to mail in the check to the site, guys. And uh, there was no e-commerce back then. You mailed a check 
to like what do you who, think? who knows where. Yeah. Well, it's like Columbia Records. That's awesome. There are, there are places. <laughs> like if you talk to basically if you talk to old anime fans, um, they will tell you like, you know, who used to be their favorite fan summers. Uh, for me, it was uh, the Shinsengumi group, which is a name taken from uh, Ruini Kenshin. They used to do Kenshin, a whole bunch of things. And uh, yeah, they had great quality tapes. And I remember their translations were just excellent. It was, you know, for the longest time, actually, fan subtitling was better quality than professional subtitling, which was that was kind of the state of the industry we were in at that point but then yeah the internet came out it was easier to download stuff um i think that was the big <laughs> the internet right? came out that sounds like well, something no, my, my grandpa would in say in a big way publicly <laughs> because before broadband right before i think 2001 the video codecs were just not very good i think people used to stream anime over real player back in the 90s but real oh player is God, awful guys real, real player. player is disgusting so wow. once it became possible to like share um, XVID and DivX files. That's when anime just moved completely online. And yeah, th- then we had the bandwidth to download stuff. So that was a big change. But fan subbing is still a big deal. You know, people are still fan subbing anime. It's just why downloaded. Why? Well, not every not every series gets a professional, um, you know, license or a distributor. Right. Although that's happening more and more. Is like the series that you know are big and from big creators will have pre-arranged licensing from like Viz or Funimation or something. Right. Uh, but the smaller shows, there's still those smaller shows where you know it may be nice to have. Uh, nobody else wants to cover it, so a couple of fans will subtitle it. So yeah, it's yeah. a it's a great way to interact with something that you love to exactly. the to the point that our first season of this show was fan transcribed for some <laughs> weird reason of oh, yeah. Korra fandom. <laughs> oh, you mean Republic City Dispatch, not not Korra. Well, I mean, I'm sure Korra was fully transcribed, uh, you know, everywhere, but like the fact that the this sort type of fandom, that's how they engage with yeah. something that they love became evident very early even in this podcast. It's fun watching fandom transform. Basically, I've seen I've seen so many different permutations of it. Fans used to do dubs, guys. Can you imagine this? Like amateurs doing dubs of their favorite anime series. Oh, that man. was that was usually horrific and pretty bad. But uh, yeah, I remember like that's that's how devoted we were at the time. And uh, I, the thing I'm thinking today is that I almost wonder fans value it a little less because you have so much. There's an overabundance of stuff. It's like the problem when you're looking for something to watch on Netflix Instant, right? Because you have everything. You have so much stuff to do. You end up spending like half an hour trying to decide what's good. And you may not even value that stuff as much anymore. There, there was a certain value to having scarcity, I guess. Um, so that's my old man side, just kind of... Yeah, I don't know. It reminds me yeah. of that scene in A Beautiful Mind where he wants to date all five girls, but he can't choose, <laughs> right. so he loses all of them. That's how I feel yes. when I go on Hulu and I'm oh. like, I want to get into a, uh, a new anime show because Hulu has this endless supply of anime. That's such great anime. And, and then I anime. sit there and I don't watch any of it because I'm like, I, I, where do I even begin? Where do I begin? Kids on the Slope is one I'd recommend immediately. Kids on the Slope, which is a great series. It's no supernatural stuff. It's just a series of uh, it's it's about kids in 60s era Japan playing jazz. That's all. That's the entire series. Wow. It's awesome. And uh, the new one, one of the newer series is Kill la Kill, which is insane. Completely insane. Uh, kind of sexist, but I think also commenting on the like over sexualization of prepubescent, you know, superhero girls. So that, <laughs> that is, is a tricky it line is, to yeah, walk. It's tricky to juggle that, but if you've watched a lot of anime, it is hilarious to go watch something like Kill a Kill, which is just completely lampooning everything while also being awesome and badass. 
<laughs> now this just makes me want us to like I want all of us to do a fan overdub of an assemblage of scenes that's like Mako and Bolin's Guide to Dating. That'd be great. <laughs> I'm still, still going to write my noir fiction, that live uh, fan fiction episode at some point. Oh yeah, but I want to be like I want to be I want to be the person that says like 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 a leech right off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mako's such a dick. Hey, what? They broke up for good at the end of last season. We're we're done with that for a little while. <laughs> They'll get back together, don't you think? Well, I mean, Asami, Asami's in the trailer, so I imagine something's going to be. Asami's happening. in the trailer saving Korra, which yeah. Is so we're all imagining that Asami and Korra will be the hot item next year, right? Mm. Right. That would well, be so next level. I feel like Sky Bison. <laughs> so that was interesting. She was piloting the Sky Bison. I, I feel like Asami got marginalized and sidelined in book two for some reason. Well, as a lot of people did. Uh, you know, yeah. I think book two, looking back, is a bit of a mess. There's still a lot to love. But, like, narratively speaking and trying to spin all these plates, it, it just didn't happen for them. And I, I chalked that up to the amount of time they had to produce the show. Uh, <laughs> but I'm already sensing that, like, Asami is back in a big way. She looks like she's kicking butt. She's saving Korra at certain points. I'm mm. like, I, I can't I wait to see. Asami and Lynn, like, double double adventures this or is, something. This is, like, <laughs> this is like the fourth time we've had this conversation about Asami. <laughs> that character has never felt as well served as right. that performance right. dictates it should be. Mm-hmm. She's always the third corner in a love triangle. That gets dismissed the second amnesia comes up. Oh. Like, <laughs> if you remember that that thing from last book, it, like Cora's like, "What was it? A bad fight we had? I had amnesia." And Mako literally looks over at Asami <laughs> and is like, "No, it wasn't that bad of a fight. We're, we're good." We're That's good. how they break up. There's yeah. not there's not even a conversation after well, everybody she's, got she's the Batman of this world, and they still haven't figured out a way to fit her in. I guess. But yeah. I would love to see side stories just with her. Like, how how am I going to run this corporation while also being a crime fighter at night? Yeah, I hope I hope that's oh done. I hope that's kind of over in this in this in book three. Like, I'm I'm kind of done with her whole let's keep the company alive right, right. storyline. Yeah. Or although no Varric in this trailer, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, a, I thought he might trailer. come back. Yeah, and they definitely true. focus on the action. So I think it's we shouldn't we shouldn't prejudge too much. Just based, I think they went for all the coolest shots they've gotten the season so far. Yeah, which every is a ton spinny of stuff. bend move. I know. Yes. I'm a little worried. <laughs> all the um, action, a bit of lens flare at the end. I kind of love that. Well, then, Devendra, in what episode of Book Three will Bolin die? That's my <sighs> real question for you. <laughs> I, I predict Bolin will die in the middle of season three. <laughs> Just, oh, just my, no. just my. De- Bolin Death Watch continues. Oh. Let's, let's do the Dispatch. Game of Thrones here, right? It'll be the episode uh, nine. Ep- nine? Season, yeah. Yeah, episode nine. Then we'll have nine. we'll have the final episode for everybody to like freak out about. But what's the, say, the red wedding Tenzin. equivalent? I think I think if someone's gonna die in season three, it's Tenzin. What? Don't and say then, that. Tenzin is my fave. Well, I love does, Tenzin, but I'm saying yeah. you you killed Tenzin in in book three, so that book four, Cora can learn to do it on her own. No, if that, anyone's that gonna sense. die, it's Lynn. Uh, I think I think you guys are all missing that. Lynn will die. No, no, you bring Zuko back, so Zuko dies. Oh, Zuko sacrifice. We saw somebody in jail. Was that Zuko in the trailer? No, because no, uh, that guy airbends. Zuko, Zuko is old and Roku looking. He has a beard now. Yeah, I, I also to... can't tell if he is flying on the dragon when we see a dragon swoop by or if that yeah. is Roku in some sort of okay. flashback. Okay. Zuko but... and Tenzin dying together. <gasps> in each other's arms. Holding hands. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or something. Thanks I, for being a great um, 
granddad. The, the idea type of Korra figure. growing up after her master dies—that is, that's essential. That's essential, you know, like hero journey type stuff. That's that's like Obi Wan dying. That's like Giles just randomly trotting off to London. Uh, so Bucky yeah, came yeah. Up. yeah. Now that actually, now that there are going to be more Airbenders and Tenzin's role is to like keeper of the flame is diminished. I might be I might be coming over to the Tenzin Zuko self sacrifice. <laughs> Has to happen, guys. Someone, someone has to draw that in the next three weeks. Yeah, uh, but also, I, I keep bringing this up, too, is because it's important for a series like this, or for any property, really, to have a good sense of loss. Because if you don't have that, there really aren't any stakes for your heroes. Yeah. And right. uh, I'll, I'll point once again to How to Train Your Dragon 2, which did that. You are all about this movie. I love it. The Slash film cast is all in on the How to Train Your Dragon franchise. You guys are a little bought on that. I don't know. So, so, <laughs> I think Boss. Dave's a little crazy about it, but the I think How to Train Your Dragon Two is the best blockbuster we got this year. Wow! So I am going wow. to have to disagree with you, but save that conversation for another time. But it's for a kids' movie, pretty loss. lame movie. Like, it's, it's, the musical, about, it's the musical yeah, number, that's, right? That, that's a big thing, and I hope <laughs> it's the musical number in How to Train Your Dragon Two that really sells it, right? I think so. So we're definitely fingers crossed for a core musical number uh, this season. I keep right? asking every time we have the track team on this show or, or the Ben and, and um, oh, my God, Jeremy, Jeremy uh, I asked them about musical numbers because they had some great songs in Avatar The Last Airbender and there's never room for them. And Korra, it seems, uh, which is always <laughs> disappointing, like Secret Tunnel, guys. Just have throw me a bone. Bring it back. Yeah, unbend our hearts. <laughs> um, I think Janora Janora so was like a full supporting whole, chorus. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. There, there, I assume a- that there are Legend of Korra um, Frozen fan videos out there, right? Uh, oh There's definitely. Uh, I think uh, that fell. Will in you the bend gap. me a snowman? Or no, 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 no. That fell in the gap. Thank, thank, thank God. There's. There- there's an episode last season that Joanna doesn't make it on, and we make some sort of frozen joke. I'm like, that's how long this has been a thing. This, we can't, we can't do that for book. You mean three. Frozen? Frozen. We have to give up on Frozen, frozen parodies. Oh, yes, okay. that's done. It's we're over. Done now. It's over. I feel like okay. So we're in deep on this trailer. We're 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 falling down a slippery slope here. Joanna, I wanted to point to you and and ask you if there was something that that struck you in this fury of images in this trailer and maybe maybe something that sparked you based on uh how you enjoyed book two or how you did not enjoy book two well i was going to ask you guys because you have a much more solid avatar background than i do the third eye shot the one with the third eye what does that mean to you guys sparky Uh, sparky boom boom girl yeah um (laughs) well dave has nicknames um sokka sokka had nicknames this is yeah this is how i ended up watching avatar the last airbender this weekend uh because i wanted to know more about combustion man or that's how they (laughs) refer to this combustion man is this assassin that zuko hires to come after them um and he had an eye on his head and he could shoot like serious bolts of fire, um, strong enough that they had trails of smoke coming out of them. That's how you know it's serious. Uh, <laughs> I think and, there's a shot of it in the trailer, actually. Yeah, um, you, yeah you see that same kind of bolt. So I think this girl, who looks a little uh, cooler, you know, she's like punk. She's got some dreads or something. She's like a hipster assassin, uh, combustion girl, perhaps. Um, Hipster, sparky, sparky, boom, boom. Yeah, she looks a little nicer, though. She doesn't, you know, this guy was really angry and bald, and he was grimacing <laughs> quite a bit. And she looks a little, like, cooler. Like, she 
maybe she's on their side this time. Yeah, if you think about it as like levels of firebending, basic firebending is level one, lightning bending is level two, and causing explosions with your mind is like this third level <laughs> that we've only seen once up until now, and that's what she signifies with that eyeball on her head. Okay. That and more Janora, just because I'm such a huge Karen Shipka fan, so more Janora the better, in my opinion. It seems like she'll have more to do. I wonder if she is the real center of this. I, I don't think we wrapped up her story in book two. I have a lot right. of questions about, like, what does her connection to the spirit world mean? And maybe if she is the one dealing with change or balancing opposing forces and kind of... Uh, shepherding this evolution in the world. Korra, I mean, Korra is essential to that because she's the avatar, but I don't know if she's the main player. I'd be interested if Janora really took the spotlight in this. But seeing her kind of, she, she astral projects, I think she's in Ba Sing Se. Someone in our comments mentioned that she may have been in the lair where Jet was killed in Avatar The Last Airbender. And I wonder if, um, I wonder what she's questing on. And I really hope it's not like, book two where she doesn't she appear in like the first or second episode and she finds the wand tree and like that thread is kind of dismissed and we pick her back up and she just has all these powers who knows what's uh, going on. it's not yeah. dismissed as much as it's heavy foreshadowing for the ending of that you gotta thing. plug this in so everything makes sense at the end yeah yeah I, I am interested in how Everybody, Team Avatar gets to what appears to be Ba Sing Se. I don't know if this, they put a real strong emphasis in the trailer. I think the first image is this big castle. It kind of looks like Helm's Deep. Or actually, I kept thinking it looks like the castle from Never Ending, Never Story, Ending Story in Fantasia. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering oh, if that is kind of like a, a rebuilt Ba Sing Se or a you more know, Republic City-esque Ba Sing Se because we perhaps see Janor in the basement. Uh, yeah. You know, you know what I got out of that was World's Fair, White City, Chicago, like Devil in the White City. Yeah. Oh man, like, that that would be that would be dark. That's classic Americana white cityness. Oh right? boy, maybe maybe not. But what maybe does that mean? Like, I I don't really know what's going on with the Earth Kingdom, or have we heard about anything like that in the past seasons? Not that comes to to my mind. No, I think we know that the. Uh, okay, so the only thing that we know about the Earth Kingdom and how it relates to post-Avatar The Last Airbender is from The Promise, where parts of the Earth Kingdom sort of tried to defect right. um, from the Earth King, and that led to a, an almost war with the Fire Nation, and then all those things became the Republic. So sort of like there's the Four Nations and the Republic are the the history of what's going on. So it, the fact that there is still an Earth King means there's still sort of five independent nations, which is interesting because it looks like we're going to be getting travel, which we've been asking for since the first book. See how the world's been built. Mm -hmm. And there's also some sort of queen, queenie lady who actually, to me, looked kind of like um, President Raiko's girlfriend in the last season but i know it's wife. not the same wife he had a wife he had a wife i thought it was his girlfriend his yes. arm candy i think it's first his lady please. yeah <laughs> i know i'm being a little misogynist right now i'm sorry um she but she looks powerful and she looks evil and she looks she has crazy nails and uh, i i'm wondering who will be i, I want a really strong adversary in this yeah book. she looks like a, a very good candidate i think it's something we were missing like a force of evil 
uh, everything has been kind of murky. I mean, in the first well, season, Amon was a really challenging villain, uh, morally speaking, because he had ambitions that you almost wanted to side with. And in two, I think it kind of dropped the ball. They wanted to continue that vibe and, and really challenge us on like who is good and who is bad. And then it just kind of, I don't know, flaked out, right? I mean... I kind of disagree with you just because... So you have Vatu, who's like this big, like, the right. biggest evil, right? That's true. And then the you original have the way evil. in which yeah. he's, he's infected Unalak, you know? And so you have a really interesting, like, corrosive, seductive evil that corrupts someone that might otherwise not have been, you know, a bad guy. Like, I feel like there are, there is a potential for Unalak. He could have been, you know a good guy and he yeah. got corrupted so it's an emperor I, darth vader situation there yeah yeah or something although rewatching um avatar the last airbender like i find azula to be such a frightening presence i mean when she really becomes unhinged and i don't think we've met anyone in the cora show that is that yeah. like crazy that's like the joker yeah. to cora someone who is th- just out for destruction everyone has a plan and right, i wonder right. if someone can be that just chaotic to her. And there appears to be some sort of Azula-like character in this show. The, uh, I believe Joanna referred to her as water for arms. Um, <laughs> and she looks a little crazy, but she also looks like she might be on their side at some point. Yeah. I, uh, so I don't really know what's going on with that. And I, I do think Amon, for me, was a much scarier villain because he is somebody you could sympathize with, right? right? You can have the psychotic, crazy villains, or you could have the slightly more sympathetic ones who maybe are going about things badly. And I always find them more far more interesting and even a little more scary because in the real world i do think like those people could succeed those people have succeeded in a lot of ways um i'm not sure you know we can't tell too much from this trailer but i actually i think it'd be great to focus on what's happening in the real world you know no more of these like super villain type evils or original evils but like you know how how are the politics working what is this world what does this world look like you know what are the big problems going on well that's that's what the promise does so well and actually hearing Mm -hmm. dave describe it it reminds me of game of thrones and kind of the george r R. martin versus lord of the rings approach to storytelling like lord of the rings it's like oh just kill the bad guy and everyone get you get to be king and it's all over it's peace right um whereas in game of thrones it's like no it's a never-ending battle Mm -hmm. whoever takes over is inheriting the worst world and there's no way they're going to solve all these problems and uh, yeah i'd also fight that description of lord of the rings a bit but yeah (laughs) it's definitely it's it's simpler than what game of thrones does but there is that idea there that you know evil is a powerful and never-ending thing uh among humanity and humanity is weak you know so we will always fall to it so it's different it's different that's all I was going to say, like, you brought up Game of Thrones, and it it reminded me of what Dave wants next season on Game of Thrones, which is the fact of religion and trade wars. Like, that's what he wants from Game of Thrones next year. And if that's what Devendra wants from Korra, which is just like... (laughs) Although we've gotten a lot of religion. I feel like there's been a lot of religious... I mean, book two started with a religious war, which kind of tapered off into... I don't actually know how that resolved. I mean, I think this is a good place to pivot and look forward because we do have the description for the first two episodes at least, and it sounds like Devendra's gonna get his witch because his not witch? only are <laughs> wish, uh, not only are new Airbenders popping up, which I know in my X Men prediction would cause some sort of political strife, but it, the second episode, Rebirth of a Nation, says meanwhile, Lovely what title. a title, yeah. Well, 
Do yeah, people maybe, even know what that's a reference to? Do, I think we've just we've aged out of the fact where that's a horrible thing about white people and black people. I hope. <laughs> but who was like, I know, we'll do a pithy little wordplay on birth of a nation like, yeah, if, of all things. If people listening same... don't know what the birth of a nation is, it's a, a film from 1915 by D.W. Griffith, and <laughs> it's based on a novel 19, called The Klansman. One five. One five oh, one five, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, and, it is, and it's all yeah. about I mean, almost racism. 99, yeah, 99 years ago. And we're referring to this movie again now. That's amazing. Jesus. I'm pretty sure Viacom executives... Uh, think that their audience doesn't know what a rotary phone is, so I'm fairly sure they're okay with references to Birth of a Nation. But the second part of that description says, meanwhile, a band of sinister criminals are organizing to hunt down the Avatar themselves. I'm psyched about that because that seems like a roving villain thing, which is nice because then you could have them pop up when they need to be important, but you could do this sort of politics, Air Nation stuff. And two, the fact that they're sinister criminals means that they're like not some sort of like weird god they're like societal criminals which has like some sort of history which i'm psyched by i guess it's Maybe, hard to come I, up I, with someone big enough who can fight cora i bet they're also benders you know because right. like if you look at the trailer there are some candidates for the band of sinister criminals and they're all bending stuff well i mean so. yeah we have that airbending guy but if we're getting new airbenders what happens if you give the most dangerous non-bending criminal airbending powers Right. Oh yeah, Legend Whoa. of Korra book three. Wait, so you think the guy in prison is the bad guy? I think. Well, I think the yes, people just well, start yes. becoming airbenders and or the misunderstood people. villain or something. Yeah, I, I frame by framed it to make sure it wasn't <laughs> like Zuko's dad. You know, mysteriously really really old. It is definitely a younger person who's airbending like through a prison gate, which makes it seem like they thought they had him in this prison. But all of a sudden, he woke up with airbending powers, and I'm hoping he's part of our band of sinister criminals. I also wouldn't mind Water for Arms being there. Uh, I was thinking our firebenders <laughs> in that in that sequence by the bridge. I was thinking those firebenders might be yeah sinister criminals or like Sparky Boom Boom. Like Sparky girl. Boom Boom now, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, there's a whole bunch of like, if you just show me the most dangerous criminals banding together like some sort of you know superhero super villain team to take on team avatar i i, I recognize that shorthand i'm on board oh, like, that's like, six airbenders yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was gonna make a much clumsier superhero reference to that adam west batman movie where like penguin <laughs> and the Catwoman and the riddler like all band together oh, Lots yeah. of very that's complicated <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, do we have further thoughts on this trailer? Actually, I, I did want to ask Dave as an animation expert. Yeah. I'm curious about bullet time and if that like strikes you as something that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> or if it's, it's hard to do, it, it seems like they're really touting that as kind of a. This season a cool looks effect. like like Studio Mirror, which is nice because they'd be watching Studio Two. That other studio uh, did not do a good job. So, <laughs> to put it bluntly. <laughs> Um, Studio Mir really knows how to make bending work well in, uh, since they did the Avatar The Last Airbender, they know sort of how to make it look cool and whatnot. And the interesting thing about the bullet time is they sort of tried to do it at the end of book two. Uh, there's a scene where Ton Rock is diving at Unalak in slow motion. Uh, but they chose a really interesting perspective in that to sort of make it easier to animate by, you know, being able to grow or shrink each layer of his arm differently. 
this one, there's a scene where Mako is sort of rotating in midair to chop one of Water for Arms' arms off. And it looks like a much more sort of uh, vector digital render where it's actually the drawing is transforming rather than these different elements sort Whoa. of being redrawn slowly. So it does give a more bullet time effect as nice. opposed to uh, what they usually do for stuff like, you know, when Azula would hop around, which would be a motion blur. So it's nice to see them trying their action directing and being able to lean on it, unlike that other studio, because Studio Mir can handle it. I uh, I really hope this is we haven't like seen all the action beats in this series, but there was so much action in this trailer. I also thought of Devendra when um, we see the Republic City Police like Spider Man swinging on oh man the bridge. Oh, yeah. like, that is so Devendra's. That is your game. That is what you love. Metal benders, guys. Metal benders. <laughs> uh, and a lot of elements and a lot of old characters. Like I'm surprised that Tonrock makes it back and Desna and Eska seem to be in this season too. There's, like, so many people. Um, I don't know if that was a fault of book two. Like, I, I, I think book two found its footing at some point and could have all these players um, running around in different places and, and following their own leads. Um, but it, got, it was a little expansive for its own good. And um, I often worry about shows doing that, having to up the ante in some way, and by doing that, just adding more and more characters. Um, but I guess we keep going back to Game of Thrones. That's a show that uh, seems to accomplish that, to always be adding more and more to it um, and finding ways to balance it all out. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, but that, they have, they're starting to feel the strain of putting all of their stories into like 66 minutes and Decora has like 22. So I'd, I would like some of that. To, I would like more. I want Team Avatar to be a team for the majority of book three. Right. I just want a great Korra story. Like, I just want more of her. Um, I was so fulfilled by book one being, like, having this action heroine that I don't get to see who seems to be challenged the way, to, to, who is challenged without making it, like, a girl problem or, you know, making it about her being <laughs> female. She just has the, the problems of a human being. Um, and I thought you it didn't... got a little messy in book two. Yeah, well, you it seems like so it much a, a girl problem. Well, it seems so much a girl problem in season two, which which I was kind of okay with. But the whole like moody boyfriend fighting with her parents stuff seemed very ordinary teenage girl, and that's I feel like what they were trying. I mean, I guess it's not gendered; it's ordinary teenage person. Right? But, exactly. You know. Yeah. But maybe. But yeah. But I can see how I, I wish it was more, uh, more gender neutral because the teenage experience is probably the same for boys and girls. I. I you know what? I'm going to definitively say <laughs> it is the same for boys. Whoa. And girls. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Having been a teenager, I'm going to go out on a limb there. Um, and yeah, I, I. I don't know. I don't know what you guys think about that. Just about. The gender politics of, mm-hmm. of Korra, in a way, and if that's essential, or if uh, the stories they're telling about Korra, um, if if they need to be smaller and more intimate and more personal and more reflective of the exact character that she is, and have gender uh, as part of that equation, or if bigger and broader is is 
the way to go with these types of right. stories. I mean, ultimately, it just has to be better written. I think that was the bigger oh, problem with with all of her <laughs> with all of her like the whiny stuff in season two because it just felt kind of out of character, felt out of nowhere, right? And it felt almost unfair to all the people around her. Um, but I, you know, at the same time, I I think it's great that we have you know a show that's all about you know a female protagonist who's yeah who goes through the same struggles as everybody and all the you know all the guys and all the other superhero shows and yeah kids right. shows and whatnot. But I also think you know like it's it's not totally the same. And I I think I would admire the show more if it would approach the things that she specifically has to go through as a girl because I think that. I, yeah, I'm not going to say like the experience, like definitely, Matt, like the high school experience is not the same between boys and girls. It's it's a little different. There's weird <laughs> stuff. There's weird stuff boys go through. There's weirder stuff girls go through. But there's a lot of there's a lot yeah. of stuff that boys go through that they won't talk about that because it sounds like a girl problem. You know I, mean, I mean, that's that's probably a bigger issue with having men. And yeah, well, with, yeah. If your thesis, Matt, is that the teenage experience is closer than we're usually willing to admit. I will back you up on that. Okay, good. Then that's what I'm going with. Okay, but if you say it's the same, I I can't really back you there. But if you say that, like, you know, boys go through things that maybe they are afraid would sound too feminine so they don't talk about it and maybe vice versa for girls, I I would totally buy into that. Uh, Good. I want to bring you slightly back to the show and (laughs) say... What? (laughs) Why? That... All of its teenage characters are very distinctly orphans in some sort of way. Korra emotionally because she had to be trained and sort of kept away from the world and Mako and Bolin very specifically. So I don't know how much it helps to bring our world's gender politics and our world's high school teenage experience into the show outside of what the show's trying to communicate, which is just the, you know, family life is complex and occasionally your evil is right there in your family but that doesn't mean you don't get to embrace them and that doesn't mean that you know the difficulty of being supportive and also asserting your opinion like Cora and Mako struggle with during the first half of book two is like a universal problem of people who are sort of not socialized they sure. they got socialized in this world in book one as our way into the story they aren't like living the modern teenage experience i I just love for core to go like full orange is the new black though just in terms of (laughs) shows that do some amazing things with like you know gender politics and sexual politics and things that we don't normally get to see in normal television and i think cora you know and avatar honestly has done so much to change what should be labeled kids tv well that, that's I, what i'm always that's what i'm I, like i i feel you there uh i'm and i'm back and forth on it because i'm like oh should this kind of be gender neutral as some sort of step forward or you know i wish that um cora could be moody without fans a lot of you know chastising her mm-hmm. on tumblr and calling her like bad words that are misogynistic and I'm, I'm like especially sensitive going into this season because of everything we've experienced in the last don't read the comments matt yeah, yeah i know no, i know well i i don't want to read the comments but i know people <laughs> do people especially yeah. the people who listen to this podcast go on tumblr and they expose themselves to a lot of these opinions about fictional characters that are reflective of people's personal opinions and experiences uh I so mean, if you want to uh, if you want to talk about sexual politics, which I, I'm not sure that we uh, do, but if we do, <laughs> then we have to talk about, like, what happened with Bolin and, like, that whole 
Mm-hmm. That was weird. Interesting reaction to Boleyn kissing someone somewhat against her will and and the very extreme fan reaction for that that I was surprised by. Well, so. uh, but that was yeah. also in a like immediately after a storyline where she was basically made a slave in a relationship that we were then told at the end of the season was real. Like Mako thinks that he was faking his love for Eska to get him out of a situation. Bolin's like, yeah, faking and cries, implying that he actually was in love with being like this slave to this extremely dominant princess. So, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's interesting. (laughs) It's interesting things as used to tools to talk about how the real world reacts to them, but I'm not sure if it's something the fair, it's fair to put on the show when they're just trying to tell the story and kind of just pulling it off. It's it's yeah, something yeah. that'll be in the back of my mind. I think we're just we're thinking a little more deeply. I think, but yeah. I, ultimately, what I just want is you know character motivations that seem realistic mm. and yeah, actually like um, you know motivated by some things that you would actually understand. Which I think that was the big problem for me in season two. Things would just happen. Cora would just do things. People would respond in weird ways, and it didn't make very much sense. Or even Tenzin experiences yeah, that. Same. Exactly. He has those flaws. Or the writing is flawed in that way for him mm-hmm. in book two um, to get it away from the, the gender talk. I mean, people just have revelations and discoveries yeah. and are going through problems that seem a little contrived because we need Genera to fill these powers beats. all of a sudden. Yeah, <laughs> things. Um, yeah, things just happened in season two. And this 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 season, we're rooting for motivation. <laughs> um, well, I, I we've talked a lot, and we're preparing for this show. We still need to figure out how we're going to like break down our episodes, since there's going to be a giant serving of Korra uh, this coming Friday night. We may we may hold certain episodes until later and, and tease you and uh, hang in there with us. And um, that reminds me, because we're coming back and we've been on hiatus for a little while, we'd love if you've been listening to the show for a long time and you really enjoy it, uh, go on iTunes, leave a review uh, and a rating, and let's stir up the Cora conversation on Republic City Dispatch again so more people find it. Um, it yeah, it just helps us put it out there and um, we're the, make the conversation bigger. We're the only advertising it looks like Nickelodeon's going to give the world fandom. So (laughs) let's go do our job. Um, Yes. So thanks for tuning in. Let's tell everyone where they can find us on the internet. Um, Devendra? Sure. You can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Devendra. I write about techadventurebeat.com. And I also review movies and TV at slashfilm.com. Joanna? You can find me almost every day on VanityFair.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. Do you have any other active podcasts right now? I'm trying to, like, keep track of everything you do. Oh, I do. I do. Uh, I think the only other active one is the TV podcast called The Station Agents. So. Cool. Dave? Uh, I'm Dave Gonzalez. I spell my first name DA7E. That's also my Twitter handle. I read about superhero movie news and Star Wars rumors at latino-review.com and do a podcast with uh, Matt Patches at fightinginthewarroom.com. And then I think you could also find the Game of Thrones podcast that Joanna and I did. Uh, I think there might be one more episode left that we might sneak in on you. But uh, it's uh, for people who like book spoilers. That's it, to fightinginthewarroom.com slash gotspoilers for people who just like really complex talking about television. Is that like that got milk? Pretty... Yeah. <laughs> um, 
cool. And I am Matt Patches. I write all over the place on the internet, and I try and put everything on my Tumblr, mattpatches.com. And I'm probably spouting equally deep and neurotic gender politics statements on Twitter, at Mr. Patches. And, um, yeah, crossing a line, probably. And, yes, uh, <laughs> yeah. and as Dave mentioned, I'm, uh, we do a, another podcast, pop culture podcast, Fighting in the War Room, and that's fightingintheworeroom.com. So until next week, when episodes kick off, and we're going to keep recapping, conversing, picking them apart, uh, until next week, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we can't wait for book three. <laughs> <laughs>